Marley was dead to begin with. There is no doubt whatever about that. The register of his burial was signed by the clergyman, the clerk, the undertaker, and the chief mourner. Scrooge signed it, and Scrooge's name is good upon change for anything wait, wait, he wait. chose to put his hand to. Wait, Julia. Julia. Uh-huh. This is We Pod You a Merry Castmas, not a Christmas poddle. <laughs> Did you say We'll Pod You a Merry Castmas? <laughs> yes, I did say that. And not a, a, a Castmas poddle. <laughs> Catherine, the name of the show is. I'll be pod for castmas. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah, sorry. I yeah, I got I got the wrong uh ghost story. Um a specter is haunting Europe, the specter of communism. All the powers of old Europe have entered into a holy alliance to exercise this specter. Yeah, Pope I think this is wait, wait. I just want to confirm this is the correct yeah. ghost story. And we can continue reading this for the next like four hours, and that will be exactly what we had planned. <laughs> I feel like I am hoisted by my own petard here. <laughs> <laughs> Today, we're going to be discussing a little old song recorded by Carly Rae Jepsen in 2015 called Last Christmas. And uh, in a, a very classic style, it turns out the existence of this track justifies and proves the existence <laughs> of earlier Christmas songs. Yes. Including, going back uh, a few years, Ashley Tisdale's Christmas song Last Christmas from 2007. Mm. Uh, which it looks like she performed at the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, which sure, <laughs> that's fun. That's, that's true. <laughs> and and that song itself, um, what's the quote? Justifies and implies the the precursor. Yeah, it's of... it's it it's like um the Jorge Luis Borges essay Kafka and his precursors, talking about the fin de siècle absurdist Franz Kafka. And how, like, Kafka's absurdism creates the fact that there is absurdism in hundreds of years of works that hypothetically inspired Kafka. But, like, past presents are our way of viewing history, and history is not an inquiry into reality, but its origin. So we kind of have that, like, collapsing of pasts together to... You know, instead of just being like, hey, the past tells us about now, it's like, no, all of the pasts tell us about a then, but not the then that they were, a sooner then than that. Yes. I would even use the words that Borges used. The fact is that every writer creates his own precursors. His work modifies our conception of the past as it will modify the future. So, Yeah. So I think it's very easy to say that the Carly Rae Jepsen version of the song is the definitive one, with the smooth jazz and synths playing in that understated melancholy that is like perfectly in Carly Rae Jepsen's wheelhouse. Uh, but I'd be interested to hear things kind of in favor of the yeah. Ashley Tisdale version in particular, which has that kind of like sugary pop to it. Yeah, I was gonna say, like, it's the definite version for you, which I very much respect. It's a lovely version. For me, the definite version is definitely the Ashley Tisdale, like, quintessential 2000s teen pop version. 
So tell me about the Ashley Tisdale version. It's for me, it's the definitive version. And I think I could see how it influences Carly Rae Jepsen and taking, um, covering a song that originally performed by a guy, um, something in the 80s, Wham! And yeah, yeah, it was a. a Written and produced by George Michael, released by Wham! in December of 1984. Ooh. Do you think that means something? Oh. (laughs) (laughs) As though all events that took place in 1984 were intentionally a reference to the book 1984. The only reason they call the year 1984 is like a literary illusion. Hmm. Yeah, it's named after that. Um, Yeah, so you have that original song, which I just watched the music video for the first time. And it's a bunch of grown-ups, and it's very Uh sophisticated. They're, like, drinking wine and um, at a ski lodge or something. And Ashley Tisdale's version is the same lyrics, but a much, um, for me, more compelling vibe because uh, the song itself, like when it's performed by Ashley Tisdale, it's about teen angst so much, and you miss that out in in the version that is not performed by a teen pop singer. Do you think there's something inherently like juvenile about the story? Juvenile kind of implies like. Like, to me, that word kind of sounds condescending, and I don't mean to condescend to teenagers when I say that it has, like, a teenaged vibe. Um, it has a, like, it has, it feels like... So, it, maybe a, another non-pejorative yeah, term, um, uh, but, but a, a youthful essence. Yeah, youthful innocence. innocence. It, like, it feels like a... Um, like all of the power of an emotional teenage girl could be harnessed in this song. And I think, I don't mean that as an insult. I mean, I think teenage girls are super cool. And I want to like, not, um, there, there's a tendency to like mock things that are popular amongst teenage girls. Um, even if the same thing is liked by like middle aged men, then it's okay. Like when you think about the Beatles, if like, your 50 year old dad likes the Beatles and that's cool. But when it's like Beatle mania and it's these screaming teenage girls, then it's like mocked. So I don't want to mock any, <laughs> anything that teenage girls may like. And obviously teenage girls is such a like vast um, group, not a monolith, but um, I guess like talking stereotypical, like American, mm-hmm. like what gets marketed mm-hmm. towards that particular demographic would you say that one teenage girl is all teenage girls yeah um i think borges would say that and who am i to (laughs) refute borges (laughs) last christmas present so one of the differences that that i'd love to point out with the the carly ray jepson version is uh uh, which seems very unique to her uh, uh, iteration of this song, is abandoning the initial chorus. Uh, Carly Rae Jepsen's version comes in on Once Bitten and Twice Shot. Oh, nice. And so it's only after the verses that we actually get back to the chorus 
and then hear for the first time, okay, oh, this is this is the thing that you're you're feeling. Whereas a lot of the other versions, because you'll play the chorus, sometimes play the chorus twice before you get to a verse, um, it, it ends up feeling much more repetitive. Uh, the the Carly Jepsen version is a whole minute shorter than most of the the other covers. So you feel like it feels less repetitive. Is this not a song mm-hmm. about repetition? But, <laughs> and how do you avoiding repetition? That is a hundred percent a great point. And the kind of question here is, how much does time become collapsed in the Christmas season? Uh, both. You know, on on the very front face of it, oh yeah, we have this whole time period that's kind of this nebulous amount of time post-Thanksgiving and before, you know, mid-January. I guess until Epiphany, really. Uh, And we kind of collapse that into one amount of time. But also, holidays are something that recur. Uh, Holiday seasons are something that recur. Uh, Individual moments of... um, especially celebration that comes from external sources, like Christmas, for instance, where regardless of what you do, Christmas will happen around you and Christmas will happen to you, uh, rather than something that you necessarily elect to do. You can elect to do it, but even if you elect not to, Christmas will still be happening to you. Uh, Whether or not moments like those help collapse the time between years, and whether or not that's something that this song is kind of about, rather than a individual, okay, you broke my heart once, now I found a real love, this'll never happen to me again, versus, well, last Christmas I gave you my heart, very next day you gave it away. This year, to save you from tears, I'll give it to someone special. And then the next year, that the cycle just keeps continuing anyways. Yeah, I definitely think there's an implication of the cycling continuing in this song, because it, it does go back and forth between um, I keep my distance, you still catch my eye, like, that need to avoid, which implies this person's really not over that person, versus, um, what was it, I found a, a, a real love, you'll never fool me again. It's like, if you're never going to fool me again, mm-hmm. why do I have to avoid you? So that, and the fact that we keep circling back to the same chorus, and the, uh, the idea of maybe next year I'll give it to someone special. It's like, oh, oh, so you're not even certain. Yeah, even after uh, you, you I found a real love, you'll never fool me again. Back to the chorus. This year to save me from tears, I'll give it to someone special. And it's not clear, like, have they made the decision to give it to someone special and they already have someone? Or are they just like, hypothetically, like, oh, you're not worth it. Anybody else would be more worth it than you. I guess none of this matters if we're going with your interpretation that's not about like the individual relationship so much as like Christmas as a as a season or as a, an experience that gets repeated. Um, so finish answering your last question. I don't have a copy of A Tree Grows in Brooklyn on me, but there is a passage where Francie is like, it's a coming of age novel and later in the book when she's a teenager I think like 14 15 getting a little older she recognizes that she's getting older because she notices that like Christmases are closer together than they used to be and when she's she like reflects on her childhood and she remembers Christmas coming her mom being like oh Christmas will be again here before we know it 
And as a child, she's like, that's ridiculous. It's an entire year. Like Christmas is so far away. And then a marking of her aging and becoming an older, like growing into a young adult is like, she starts to understand what her mom means by that. And it's like, Oh yeah, Christmas is just around the corner. And like the years shrink the space in between Christmases, like, as we were saying earlier, like collapses. And that's sort of an indication of coming of age and maturing or aging or just getting closer Hmm. to death. So would you say that the years keep coming and they don't stop coming? That's quite literally. Yeah. What I would say, not quite as eloquently as we put it, but yeah. Uh, Would you say that all stars are one star? Sure. (laughs) Again, you're just hitting me with this poetry that, yeah yeah please (laughs) because i am interested in in exploring through through these kind of new refutation of time Mm -hmm. ideas in a new refutation of time there's there's this idea that it becomes very easy to be lost in a part of a city not in a Mm -hmm. like oh terrified lost but just letting yourself walk one evening and finding yourself encountering in potentially a totally different place, the same sensations and emotions on different nights in your life. Very similar to going to Mm -hmm. a Christmas party and feeling the same sensations and thoughts that you felt at a different Christmas party a year or two. Right. And the assertion that, that, that time becomes collapsed by these things, not in a, like, eternal return sense, but in a literal, like our sensations are confusing us as to what time is sort of sense. And so that's part of why we kind of jokingly say sometimes, oh, one man is all men. Uh, one one person having a sensation is the same as anyone else having the, the same sensation, potentially, if the sensations are, you know, the, the relevant thing to reality. Mm-hmm. If if the the idealist point of view, the, the immaterialist point of view makes sense. And so the question then becomes both like, is one Christmas all Christmases? Or are all Christmases under adulthood or within a certain age range the same Christmas? Are are Christmases as a teenager um, fungible, equivalent to one another, but differentiated from Christmases as a young child and Christmases as an adult? Yeah, I do think... I mean, obviously, as we age, like... We, we can find differences between Christmases, even if it's just like, oh, last Christmas, my uncle was alive. Now he's not. Um, but I think, at least in my family, we, we do have the tendency to like do the same holiday traditions, watch the same movies. And I think in um, the type of media that gets created about Christmas, it kind of relies on people wanting the same Christmas every year um I find a great comfort in the really shitty Hallmark movies just because like it is the same movie over and over again with the slight differences I'm not sure if that's a response to your question but um I I think it certainly can serve as one and then the kind of question there is uh certainly relevant to the Hallmark Christmas movies is one x all x's uh, is the existence of having loved and lost once in a relatively conventional way, like, does that set you up for, okay, this is going to be all relationships? 
Uh, or well, is this something particular about the point of view of being young and more or less in love? You know, that like, oh, right. Having had this relationship, having had this first heartbreak, once bitten, twice shy, this is how I'm expecting all of my relationships to end basically forever. That like everything is is built off of this template of heartbreak. Can I push back against that with a quote from Borges? Yes, please. I cannot lament the loss of a love or a friendship without meditating that one loses only what one really never had. Is that a Borges quote? That that feels like a Hallmark movie quote almost. <laughs> it is. I thought you were actually going to bring this up because it's from the paragraph about um, like around the part where he's going on his walk. I cannot walk through the suburbs right, and sure. the solitude of the night without thinking that the night pleases us because it suppresses idle details just as our memory does. I cannot lament the loss of a love or a friendship without meditating that one loses only what one never really had. Every time I cross one of the street corners of the southern part of the city, I think of you, Helen. Every time the wind brings me the smell of eucalyptus, I think of a, a droge, I don't know how to pronounce that, in my childhood. Every time I remember the 91st fragments of Heraclitus, you shall not go down twice the same river. I admire its dialectical dexterity because the ease of which we accept the first meaning, the river is different clandestinely imposes upon us a second I am different um, and grants us the illusion of having invented it. The sentence continues. Um, anyway, that is the part I'm referencing. So a question I, oh, 100%. A question I was going to ask yeah. you earlier was, mm-hmm. um, does the song Last Christmas imply that you cannot lament the loss of a love without meditating that one loses only what one never really had? And is the reason that this person's having such a hard time getting over this person is because they haven't accepted that they never really had them. It, yes, yes, yeah. Partly because um, we we know last Christmas I gave you my heart, but the very next day you gave it away. Mm-hmm. I thought we had something, but we clearly didn't have what I thought we had. Um, the the narrator might occasionally trick themselves into thinking we really had something and then you just changed into a totally different person after this season was over and that's why our relationship ended and how could you be so cruel but but the reality of course is much closer to oh we didn't actually have what i thought we had um i i perceived some sensations I I had built upon those sensations an idea of a reality that did not match the truth of reality or the truth of those sensations. Exactly. And that would be kind of the... And that's illustrated by the idea of re-gifting, because when somebody re-gifts something, it's because they were never the right person for that gift in the first place, right? Like, my sister used to give me Starbucks gift cards that I would just give away to my roommate, because I don't go to Starbucks. So, like, I gave you my heart but you were not somebody who ever wanted my heart or was like the right person for my heart. So you just give it away because mm-hmm. that's what regifting is. It's an inappropriate gift. So you're like misunderstanding what that person wants or needs from and um, imposing kind of your own, like what you would want or what you think they should want onto them. And the idea of giving your heart and then it being regifted is very me. silly. Um, I love it. Uh, outside of, some, I guess, very fun seasonal uh, poly relationship. Uh, 
sort of context. Yeah. I think uh, it you know, gave it away, as in like it it doesn't say threw it away. Probably to keep that um, lyrical kind of uh, mirroring of "I gave you yeah. my heart, you gave it away," but. It is funny because I think what they mean is you threw it away, right? Like you you discarded it. You did not prize it. I'm going to build my own narrative. Um, mm-hmm. This is a Frankenstein story? Yeah. <laughs> no, okay. So I gave you my heart. Like my heart. Last Christmas or a modern Prometheus? Sorry, go on. <laughs> okay, I'm picturing like I gave you my heart could be like, like that is... I can't remember the word when you have like one word or like one thing that stands in for a lot of things. Um, uh, metonymy, synecdoche, hendiadis. One of us. So like I gave you my heart is like a stand in for like expectations, trust, like a, a ton of different things. Um, so it could be like, I gave you my intention or like, I gave you my commitment. And then the next day you gave that to someone else. And it's not like, not literally my heart, but it's like the narrative could have been like, Oh, I gave you a ring. And then the next day, like you proposed to someone else, like you gave that ring away. And it's not like a literal transfer of hearts, but the heart is a stand in for like a commitment or um, an understanding that, like, I gave that to you, and then you gave that same thing to somebody else. Does that make sense? So it's not quite Prometheus saying, "Last Christmas I gave you my liver, right. and and next Christmas I'll give you my liver again." No, I'm being a little <laughs> loose with the language. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, I I think that makes a lot of sense. For some reason, that if you kiss me now, I knew you'd fool me again was relevant. <laughs> Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I think that's going back to like they're not actually over this person. If you kiss me now, you'd fool me again. So right. like they haven't like you were saying like they kind of misimagined who that person was, and even now that they've been rejected, they still like are misimagining them. And that line is interesting because it's like putting all of the blame on that person versus on their own inability to like correctly perceive the situation. And I think that does depend somewhat on upon the performance, um, because I think I think uh, you can certainly deliver that line with a knowledge, with like a, a clear understanding of that it's you and not them. Mm-hmm. The like, well, if you kiss me now, you could fool me again. Like it, it's me who is able to be fooled mm. so easily by by action, because you know. I'm I'm looking for any sign to signify the. I would uh, argue the, that, that I wish I could. The Ashley, the Ashley Tisdale version, leans more in that direction of the like, sort of owning her own foolishness, mm-hmm. which is part of part of the. Fun. The Ashley Tisdale version, speaking of of uh, lyrical specificity, really emphasizes the word special. Yeah. Uh, I'll give it to someone special. Special. I was wondering if you had any like thoughts about why, about what that could mean. Oh, I think it's flirty. You know, like part of what's fun about that version of it is even though she's like saying I'll give it to someone special, it, like because she puts such an emphasis on the word, it really feels like she's using that as an excuse to try to make whoever she's singing too jealous. 
Like, if you want to be special, you should, like, step up. <laughs> yeah, I guess it, it doesn't say, I won't give it to you. Exactly. In specifically the lines, last Christmas I gave you my heart, but the very next day you gave it away, you gave it away. This year, to save me from tears, I'll give it to someone special. Doesn't say, I won't give it to you. <laughs> There's no, like, I'll give it to someone else who's more special, who's more loving, who treats me right. Right. There is no exception to the X. Which is partly why I like that version, I think, and why it feels so teen angsty, because there is that, like, I kind of know better, but I also don't care. And I'm just going to, like, throw myself at you again, even though it, it's clearly not a great idea, which do you like ghosts what about monsters or haunted houses evil furniture stores cannibalism doppelgangers childhood mysteries that involve a strange cult or a scary clown if you answered yes to any of the above you may be eligible to become a patron at the Dead Letter Society's Library of Terrors. Dead Letter Society is a book club podcast about horror, mysteries, thrillers, and all genre of things that go bump in the night. Every episode, me, Marn, and my wife Alyssa pick a book from our Library of Terrors to read, then come together to discuss it live on air. Which characters do we get too attached to? What plot twist shocked us? Which scares fell flat and which had us jumping out of our seats in anxiety? Which character deaths made us lie down on the floor in anguish? You'll just have to join us here in the Library of Terrors to find out. Dead Letter Society is a proud part of the Moonshot Network. You can find us on Twitter at Dead Letter Pod, and you can listen to us wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you soon at the next meeting of the Society. Do you think in the year 3000? Is that a Jonas Brothers thing? Yes. <laughs> Do you think they will still be uh, singing Last Christmas? I think they'll be underwater. But I think your great-great-great-granddaughter will be doing fine. <laughs> oh, that's nice to hear. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe she too will be getting over a broken heart over some... Ugh eggnog and hot chocolate mm -hmm. i if you're asking about the like do we think this song will sustain the test of time assuming there is such a thing as time i would argue yes not because of any merits of the song but because of what i was saying earlier about the like familiarity and the comfort and nostalgia around christmas and how like even if something isn't terribly good you'll still like <laughs> return to it every year for tradition's sake or to help process that a whole year has passed since the last time you heard this song or watched this movie or ate this meal. So for as long as there is romance, this song has a good chance of sticking around or for as long as there is Christmas? Yeah, as long or... as there's like a Christmas season with with Christmas music that's like marketed and packaged and like inserted into movies. Do you think it's unlikely for this song to outlast Christmas? Ooh. <laughs> That's an interesting question. It's hard to imagine what that would look like. <laughs> because the the kind of funny thing to me is like, okay, well, 
what is the thing the song really needs? The, the song needs um, individuals. Uh, and so for as long as there are individuals, they could sing this song and make sense of it. Okay. Like, as long as there is a difference between I and you. Mm -hmm. um, and... I mean, who knows over the long run of time, you know, the, the likelihood of, of that sticking around. Mm -hmm. But that seems more likely to stick around longer than romance or Christmas, mm -hmm. I imagine. Yeah. Uh, the song is a bit obscure in its language, though. I think if we're looking at, like, the song itself like something that's more likely to last i think something that has a little more clarity of language um like i'm thinking about the line i wrapped it up and sent it with the notes saying i love you i meant it um like there's not really a a clear noun preceding the it other than like maybe she's still talking about her heart but that always has bothered me about this song. For me, it just feels like the song itself is like the language is a little obscure and you kind of have to like impose your own meaning on it. And do we think wrapped it up is is not a metaphor? We we think there's something literally wrapped up or is it just like, oh, my heart, the thing that I gave you, oh, I, well, I wrapped it up. I, I dressed it up in this very fancy way. The line is, Happy Christmas, I wrapped it up and sent it with the note saying, I love you, I meant it. So the first time I heard it, I was like, oh, she gave this person Happy Christmas. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know how you wrap up Happy Christmas, but that is what she is singing about. Okay. Because that's the only, that's the, the first noun that like precedes it other than I is Christmas. Do we think that it and the two lines are with the same antecedent. Mm -hmm. Like, is I meant it referring to the I love you or to the, the thing that is wrapped or to the happy Christmas? Oh, the I meant it, I think, is referring to the I love you. So is it possible that the sent it is also referring to I love you? The first one, that I wrapped it up and sent it? Yes. Well, no, with a note. So, like, the note is accompanying whatever was wrapped up, which we don't know what that is. So it's not a note that says I love you that is wrapped up and then a note is attached to that saying I love you which is wrapped up and attached to that is a note that says I love you which is wrapped up and attached to that is a note that says I love you which is wrapped up and a note is attached Honestly, to that. I think the logic of the song does support that with its repetitions and its like circular nature. I never thought of that. Maybe it is a note <laughs> saying I love you that is and so wrapped up with a note saying I love you. We've kind of talked about the ghost of last Christmas past and the ghost of last Christmas present. Mm -hmm. And so my kind of question for the ghost of last Christmas future is, will this become the most song or will this song be lost to time? Uh, w will this either have taken over all other culture, uh, uh, played as close to infinitely as possible, or will this song eventually be lost to time? I, so I, I was like going around in circles earlier trying to say that um, I think there are like more clear succinct Christmas songs out there that um, convey a similar type of like can you name three of them <laughs> well obviously all I want for Christmas is you by Mariah Carey 
Um, it's my personal all-time fave. Um, like, for me, I could see that having a, a more longevity just because there's not the, like, linguistic confusion of what is this it? How did you give my heart away to somebody else? <laughs> Although perhaps those are the things in the song that make it so compelling that we are mm-hmm. discussing and and children in the future will also discuss. Um, what is your response to this question? I don't think I have a good answer. <laughs> it's a difficult question to answer, and that's why I asked it rather than <laughs> providing a statement. I... I I think this will be lost to time. Yeah. And I don't think that's a that's a major slight against it. Yeah. But I um I do think that's the case. I mean everything will be lost to time. But everything will also recur. Hold on. There is a outside the march, so nothing can be lost to it. The missing plays mm-hmm. plays will turn up piece by piece or rewritten again in another language. Ancient cures for diseases will reveal themselves once more. Mathematical discoveries glimpsed and lost to view will have their time again. That's from Tom Stafford's Arcadia. I think the next line was, mm-hmm. the song Last Christmas will reemerge. It will never fully be lost to time. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there are like ancient poetry that has been lost to time that has a really similar sentiment of the song of like, I thought I could trust you, but I can't. And I'm bitter about that and conflicted. Like that sentiment, I'm sure, has recurred across many different literary works, including Last Christmas. And I think that's a nice way of, of answering this, which is to say that it it may be both lost to time and influence all the rest of human culture <laughs> at the same time. Yeah. That seems just grandiose enough. <laughs> Until next year, happy Castmas to all. And to all, a pod night. Mm-hmm.